ghost train. Tickets, please. Take your seat and enjoy the ride. All aboard! <laughs> Hey everyone, this is The Ghost Train. I'm your host, Drew Broda, and today we have a double header. First up is the woman who started it all for me, my mom, Maggie Broda. She's going to be telling one of her ghost stories that creeped me out as a kid, and it has to do with a type of spiritual projection. Really eerie and spooky stuff. I think you're gonna love it. Then we have Ken on board. Now he's a nurse, and he's always dealing with trauma and death, so you know he's gonna be bringing the goods. All right, first stop, the lady in the yellow dress. All aboard! I'm sitting here with Maggie and she's gonna be telling us an experience that she had when she was a, a younger camp counselor. So Maggie, take it away. All right, thanks Drew. I have to go back quite a few years and I was about 16. And a few things that kind of matter here is the fact that I had never been away at camp, but my mother, who was a single parent, arranged for me to be away for the summer so that she could have a little bit of peace of mind that I was well looked after. So my first experience as a camp counselor was arranged through the church, and when I arrived at the camp, I felt very alone, very alienated, because most of the other counselors had gone to camp many years together, and they knew one another. Mm -hmm. But this was a kind of thing where, because I was new kid on the block sort of thing, I was put in a position of being, you know, a, a, a bit little, of an outsider. Well, yes, as an understatement, I'm, I'm sure that would be a good way of putting it. But camp was very nice. I can't complain about any of it other than it was extremely remote. And again, I was a city kid and I wasn't really used to this very wilderness sort of thing. I think there were, as I recall, seven counselors. We were each given charge of six girls. And at that time, it was a tent situation. So the night that I'm referring to, in fact, was my first Saturday, and at the end of the first week, all the girls that had known each other for quite a long time gathered together. They were chatting, they were whispering and giggling throughout the day. We had done our swimming classes, we had had our meals and done our crafts, and all the little campers were nestled into their tents in their sleeping bags. And it was my job, I had been assigned to do the evening watch where every hour I went from tent to tent and took a little head count of everyone and made sure that everybody was in good order. We had outhouses and it was quite rustic. And as it turned out that that particular Saturday night, all the other girls had an arrangement that they would go by a Jeep that we had. And the senior counselor, I think she was a girl of about 20, she gathered everyone up, they drove down to the bottom of the road, and wherever they went, they connected up with the boys' camp. Hmm. So it was important to have somebody looking after things, and of course that someone was me, which I didn't really mind. It gave me a chance just to look at the stars and kind of relax and take a breather, think about what I was missing out on in the city. And as I sat there that night, in the complete quiet of everything, I'm had a little watch on and I, I checked the time. It was just before 11 o'clock and they said that they would all be back before one o'clock and that I was not to fall asleep. I was not to go anywhere, just check on the tents. So as I sat there, I started to hear a little bit of a whimpering <laughs> and I thought, okay, go and check the tents. I went to every tent, looked at every little person and they were all sleeping soundly. No one was out of their sleeping bag and yet I still heard this 
kind of a crying, a sobbing, and it could have been anything at that point. It could have been an animal, sort of an owl hooting, but the more and more I concentrated, it definitely got louder. It got a little bit more desperate. So I began walking towards the road and calling out and calling out saying, are you okay? Who is it? Okay? I can hear you oh. and uh, you're kind of, you're kind of scaring me. So stop it, please. But the sobbing and turned into more of a wailing sound. And I was really frightened. This is way, way prior to any kind of cell phone communication, any <clears throat> communication whatsoever was right. at the bottom of the road where there was a phone booth type of thing. And I couldn't leave the compound area but right. I was really disturbed about the sound. I went back and checked every one of the girls. I checked and looked all around the tents, but the... the Everyone was accounted for. And totally accounted for. Someone, someone, it seemed in my mind that someone had, one of the older girls had left their party or whatever, their, they had the field party going on. Mm. They must have, been, must have walked back up the road and was trying to get back and so dark, so really, really dark that they couldn't find their way but I dare not leave the compound this went on for at least 45 minutes and it was getting to the point where I thought well now this is going to wake up the girls and I am panicked because something's something's terrible going on Walked down the road to as far as I felt comfortable going calling out calling out where are you what's going on I come on stop this and then suddenly the headlights of the Jeep flew right in my face and instead of being thrown under the wheels I got pushed completely out of the way and I was thrown into the into the bush at the side the girls got out of the Jeep they said what the heck are you doing you're supposed to stay stay by the campers and I said well somebody was crying there's somebody out here something going on and they said well what are you doing with that woman I said, what are you talking about? They said, that woman with, with the yellow nightgown that was there, who is she? What you're not supposed to have. And there was a big kerfuffle about, I shouldn't have anybody with me, and where, what am I doing? Hmm. I said, I was totally alone. I don't know what you're talking about. They looked around. There actually was no one else there. And we went back up, and within 10 minutes, a police car came up our dark, dark road, and they asked for me. They wanted to know if I would come with them down to the police station because there had been a serious tragedy in the city and I needed to be taken back to the city. Well, needless to say, some of this memory is a little foggy because I was completely, completely traumatized by everything that had happened. When I got down to the police station, it was near a town called Aurelia. They explained to me that there had been a call that it's a distant relative aunt and I only had one aunt. She had no children, no family of any kind, and apparently, as a result of her being institutionalized for mental illness, I was listed as next of kin. She had been released from a mental institution that earlier that day and had committed suicide. Now, oh. all of this sounds like as though it's as remote as a connect as possible, but when I was driven back to St. Michael's Hospital in Toronto and asked to go in and identify her body, I did so very reluctantly. And there was a lady with white hair in a long yellow nightgown. And in her hair were a lot of leaves, a lot of twigs and sticks. Apparently she had jumped off of her balcony at exactly 11.45 that night. And 
She, of course, was considered a suicide, and I identified the body. But later on, I was told that the reason that she had committed suicide by her neighbors was that she had to save her niece. I never understood what that was until I began to realize that it was a person in a yellow nightgown that had pushed me away from the lights of the Jeep that would have probably for certain run over me at that time. Hmm, now, in retrospect, <laughs> connecting the dots, it's, it, I know it sounds bizarre, but you're good at fathoming out these stories, <laughs> and I'm going to put it to you as to, yeah, that did just... she commit suicide or did she time travel and save my life by jumping off of her building? Yeah, it's almost like she entered the spirit world to be able to get to you because there was no other way that she would have been able to travel to that remote area that you were to be able to, to save your life. you got a, an amazing story. Well, it's a, it's a story that's difficult to share with a lot of people, and there are a lot of details. And, of course, when you think back to when you're 16 years old and you're in a bit of a bizarre situation, at the best of times, it's life can be pretty tricky. Mm -hmm. But that was an experience that totally fractured my way of thinking about my distant aunt. And I realized that she connected with me on a level that for certain changed my life, if not saved my life. No kidding. And so you weren't close with her at all? I wasn't close, but she always sent me a birthday card with $5 in it. And right. uh, because my mother was a single person and had come here as an immigrant, we did not have any other relatives. We had no one living in Canada mm -hmm. except my father's sister. And he had passed away. Her parents had passed away. And she was a career woman with no children of her own. Mm -hmm. So I, I would imagine that I did mean a lot to her in, to some extent because when she needed to have a, a next of kin written down on her on her hospital work, That's I was the name that came up. Yeah. And so and because I was 16, at that time I was considered a legally able to, to stand as next of kin for her. Mm -hmm. That's an amazing story. Did you ever see her again or have you ever tried to communicate with her? No, I haven't. But from time to time, things happen that stand out in your mind. And what I really wondered about was what was she doing with these twigs and leaves and grass so forth in her hair? Because her apartment was in a concrete jungle. And when she went off of her balcony, there was there are no trees, no grass, nothing around. Hmm. And it stands to mind to me that that was who was on that remote country road at the girls' camp. And that's why she had those remnants of, of the country in her hair and in her hmm. clothing. Yeah, I don't, it's something that can't really be explained at this point, right? It's, it's impossible to explain it unless you want to take it to the level of going into a, a, a different dimension. Yeah, wow. That's a really, really awesome story. Thanks so much for sharing that with us, Maggie. Okay. All right. If you get feedback from anybody else, any of your listeners that have a comment, Please let me know because if there's an explanation or other like-minded people who've had an experience, I'd be happy to hear about it. Yeah, well, that's what we want to do. We want to build the community up of the ghost train and be able to interact with each other and share our stories with each other. So we appreciate you sharing that one with us. And hopefully we'll be able to chat soon about some of your other stories that you were telling me about. Thanks, Drew. All right. Have a great night.
That story dealt with a really heavy subject. If you're ever feeling like taking your life, please reach out for help. There are options for you. And if you know of someone that might be dealing with a mental illness, talk to them and get them to seek out help. Okay, up next is Ken. Now he's a nurse working at Sunnybrook Hospital here in Toronto. He has two stories of the kind of paranormal events that happen when working after dark at a hospital. Next stop, the sharp dressed man. All aboard! Alright, we're here on the ghost train. We got Ken here. We're sitting up at the cottage right now. We're having a few beers and chilling out. And he was just saying that he had a, a ghost story that he wanted to tell me. So, Ken, take it away. Okay, so it's not my story. I'm a nurse. I work at Sunnybrook Hospital, which is one of the oldest hospitals in Canada. And I was, I was on night shift, and it was about 3.30 a.m., and, okay, and that's a very popular time for a lot of right to be going on. So it's calm, everything's fine. I'm just at the nurse nursing station, probably just whatever, charting or search, searching the internet. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, my patient starts screaming at the top of her lungs out of nowhere. So all of the nurses. Obviously, you're in the hospital, we're working, so we rush in there, see yeah. what's happening. We're, we're expecting some sort of a health concern. Right. And she's like, did you see him? Did you see that man? There was a man sitting over in the chair in the corner. She, he was staring at me. He had a hole in his neck, and he was wearing a, like a, a really nice suit. So we dug a little bit, and a couple of years ago, in that room... A patient who had a tracheostomy, and he was there for a long time. He had, so he yeah. actually did have a hole in his neck. Yeah. He died there, and the family always said that he was Im- immaculately dressed. So hmm. she saw, there was no way that she could have known that. So yeah. she saw a guy with a hole in his neck. And that you're just is, all... Yeah. yeah. It's Whoa. crazy. I I, <laughs> goosebumps, I had goose man. I had goosebumps yeah. that day I was freaking out That's yeah, nuts yeah. yeah and so did she like w- did she, she was... stay in that room or is she like I want to get out of this oh, room? oh yeah, yeah. Like... the next day we had to move her oh, she yeah. was freaking out yeah yeah like, so she had, to, she had to sleep there that night though. yeah yeah well she, I mean, she didn't sleep. no chance she slept. <laughs> no no no, no. yeah holy crap yeah. That's nuts. Freaky. Yeah. And I bet a lot of stuff like that kind of happens. So another time, yeah, a girl that I work with, same hospital, she was in the bathroom on night shift. Sorry, before we go, all that crackling in the background, we got a fire going right now. <laughs> so if you hear that. She was in the bathroom on night shift and she heard this big commotion outside, like maybe six or eight people talking, like a big gathering outside the bathroom. She walked out of the bathroom and there was nobody there. Yeah, there's a lot of ghost stories at Sunnybrook. I bet, cause like so the many amount people of, die like there. unfortunate that you're in a hospital. There are a lot of deaths that are going on. And there. it's such an old building, old, Real, like a tons of like Canadian history yeah. to that building, right? Yeah. And yeah, you're gonna have. I kind of feel like that's unfortunate for a spirit to be trapped, trapped in a there. hospital. Like that's got to be pretty sad. Like yeah. I don't know. That's the one of the last places I would want to be personally. Like I'd I'd want to be, I don't know, at least in my home or somewhere that's a bit more comfortable. But I guess maybe if he was there for a long time, it sort of did become his home. Like yeah. you know, like a, a terminal illness. Yeah. Sometimes it can it can last a while. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree with you. It's hard to be like that's where your your spirit is, but. Really and do you believe in the afterlife stuff like that then? If, yeah. if you've, have, and have you've never witnessed anything? No. No? 
But eventually, I if you're working there long enough, right? It's and you're doing these happen. long shifts that you do, right? Yeah, it's got to happen. Yeah. I hope it does. <laughs> do you? <laughs> yeah, I want to see that. Of do course. you? Really, yeah. eh? Oh, man. Because a lot of people are scared of it, and they're, they don't want to be open to the afterlife. No. I want to see you it. You do? Yeah. Just to kind of have that. Just like, to, okay, just so this, to, yeah. there is something else after yeah, we go. exactly. Huh. Okay. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks for being on the ghost train. Happy to be here. Yeah. Just want to be on board. <laughs> you are. <laughs> That's a wrap on this week's podcast of The Ghost Train. I hope you enjoyed it. And I want to thank the two passengers that shared their stories today. Maggie's story was touching and amazing. I know it's hard to share those types of stories, no matter what the circumstance. If you're struggling with mental health, there's always people you can talk to. It takes a lot of guts to reach out, and it might not be the easiest thing to do, but it will be the best choice you could make. If you're living in Toronto, you can call 408-HELP and speak to someone today. And Ken, I feel that those late nights that you're working, the two of us are going to be sitting down again shortly because I think that 2019 is going to be the year you have your own paranormal experience. Don't forget to subscribe to The Ghost Train wherever you're listening to your podcast. And if you want to be a passenger just like today's guests, shoot me a message on Twitter at GhostTrainPC or Instagram at GhostTrainPodcast. Looking forward to next week's show. And until the next time, good luck sleeping tonight.